Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Guy. Okay. Well, that was a strange opener. Okay. Somebody else's audio started up. That's okay. No big deal. This is my show. I can do what I want. I can have a strange opener if I want. Okay. It's that time again, Geek Block Heads. Push pause on Stranger Things and settle in for the Geek Block. I'm your host, Carla Hoke. My guest today is an author that is new to me, although in fairness, the iPhone 6 is new to me, and I'm not even going to joke. He is the author of seven books, one that's about to come out, and a graphic designer as well. My guest today is Kyle Schultz. How are you today, Kyle? Great, Carla. How are you? I am good. Okay, right off the bat, tell folks how they can find you on social media. I uh, pretty much, if you plug Kyle Robert Schultz into anything, including uh, airport baggage check-in kiosks, some version <laughs> of my online profile will come up. So if you if you put uh, that after uh, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you'll get me. Uh, I'm on pretty much everything except Tumblr, and uh, my Twitter handle is Kyle R B R T Schultz with no C, uh, and that's where I do most of my online activity. I usually do most of it on Twitter. Okay, so spell and also your last my website name again. Is Kyle Robert, oh, it's K-Y-L-E, Robert Schultz, S-H-U-L-T-Z, and that's my website name, and that's where you can find me with everything else as well. Okay, well, you must like social media. If you're so heavily ingrained in it, you must like it okay. <laughs> well, you know, I do, although I've learned to pull back from it a little bit, just because if I get involved in it too much, I uh, I don't write enough, but... It has been exactly. a huge help for me, especially Twitter, and it's really, it's definitely responsible for the sort of audience I've been able to build. So I'm, I'm very much, very grateful for that. I just try to keep a balance in how much time I devote to it. Right, right. Okay, well, you must be a techie sort. I, me- I mentioned at the beginning that you're um, a graphic designer. You, you do covers for books. You also uh, <laughs> format works for authors as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I offer that. I haven't actually had a chance to do it much for people, but that is uh, something that I offer on my website that, that you can hire me for. Uh, I have done graphic design uh, covers and things for other authors. So and I, that's something I really enjoy doing. I love cover design, and I, I try to collect sort of a library of commercial-free resources that I can use to create covers while keeping the costs down. So that's, that's really a passion of mine. I really enjoy doing that. How do you go about designing a cover? Do you read the book or do you talk to the author and get their feel on what they would like? How do you go about doing that? I always make sure I've read the book first and I do talk to the author about what kind of themes I feel they want to be reflected in the cover. And and I usually go with a fairly minimalist style. Uh, I just try to make it look you know colorful and, and appealing. I don't try to make it look super complicated, and uh, I always go for a, kind of an eye-catching font to really get, because I know how important covers are to whether or not right. you decide you're going to buy a book. I mean, when you're browsing stuff on Amazon, you do judge a book by its cover. If you it really shows do. up and it's really not not that great, it's like, uh, I'm not even going to bother with this. So I think that's really super important. So I try to make sure that an author's cover gives their book the best chance, because I know how important that is to the process. Right. Do you have any pet peeves about covers that you see? Do you have something you think, oh, I hate when that's on a cover? 
Well, I, I, even on my website, I tell people I will not put shirtless guys on your cover because I just feel like <laughs> it's, it's an automatic, okay, this is, this is just tawdry. It's, I don't care yeah. what's inside the book. Once I see yeah. that, that's it. I mean, it's any scantily clad person, but, you know, I just I have a real beef with that, which frustrates me because sometimes I look at things and I think, well, you know, maybe there is a good story in here. Maybe it's not really that bad. Maybe there isn't really that much adult content or whatever, but, you know, I'm sorry. I'm really not interested because I feel like right. I, you're already telling me I'm not your target audience if you're just going for <laughs> sort of the steamier side of things. So I'm not, I'm not right. going to bother with it. Right. And you yeah. know what? I am I am the target audience. You know, I'm a female, but, you know, I see guys <laughs> like that on the cover and I say, I might be the target audience, but that guy would never target me. So I'm not even going to bother buying this book. <laughs> I, ha- I have issues. I don't like to see complete faces of people on books because I like to imagine what people look like myself. I don't mind seeing a portion of a face or, you know, the side view, but I do not like to see what the author views as the hero or heroine looking straight at me, because what if I read it and that's totally not what I had in my head? Do you mind faces on books? I absolutely agree. I, I don't like it, you know, because really when I see a face on, on a cover, whether it's drawn or whether it's a photo, then that's who that's what I associate with right. the, the hero of the book. And sometimes it doesn't line up with what I would have imagined if I had just read the mm-hmm. book and not seen that. And I debated putting faces, I mean, drawn faces of some kind on my covers that are way back when. But in the end, you know, I realized as people were reading them that they had their own ideas of how these characters right. looked. And, and I did, I described them, but, you know, sometimes there's some variation in how people imagine them. And that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm not a stickler for that kind of thing. So I right. like to, I mean, I do, I describe in my writing, I've, I've gotten better at that over time, but I also like to give readers a chance to use their imaginations. And I think that right. putting too much detail on a cover does diminish that. I, I, I completely agree. If someone would like to talk to you about working on a cover for them, how would they reach you for that? Well, you can, uh, you can reach me by uh, going on any of my social media profiles or uh, my website address. You can, you can just say, you can just email me at Kyle at kylerobertschultz.com and that will then I'll get your email and then you can talk to me about doing a cover. I mentioned briefly my, that you uh, Go ahead. No, it's okay. I just, there's, a, there's a page on my website at KRS Designs that will tell you sort of the guidelines of what I will and won't do and uh, that will give you a little bit more information on that. I mentioned briefly that you do formatting, and I know that's just something that you're kind of starting up with, but I have to re- I have to be reminded sometimes that not all of our listeners are writers, and sometimes they don't know what things are. When we mention it, I'll say, are you with a seat of the pantser? And people have no idea what that is. So explain to people what <laughs> formatting is as far as books. Yeah, formatting is uh, is when you take your draft that you've written in whatever program you did, whether it usually it's usually it's Microsoft Word or Scrivener, one of those two, and Scrivener is usually the go-to software for this, and you'll take it and you turn it into a file that then Amazon can use to make your ebook and or your paperback book, and it's different for each kind, of course. So it it does it is really techy, and that I do find that something that really throws people off very easily when they're trying to get into the indie publishing because it's just such a pain sometimes. And I still have trouble with it, getting something formatted exactly right. And nothing really makes it super easy that I've found in my experience. So I have managed to 
streamline it in Scrivener to make a file that works really well for eBooks and a file that works really well for paperback. So I've learned all those shortcuts, and that's why I offer that as a service you can hire me for because I figure sometimes people, you know, they just want to write their books. They don't want to have to be bothered right. with learning a whole programming language just to figure out how to get right. their book in the right format. Right. So do you decide on the – do you have the final word on, like, the font that appears and the page number font and how the chapters are laid out and everything? Or does the author decide that and say, hey, this is what I want, and you follow the, their lead? Or do you just kind of say, hey, this I is usually, probably a good idea? Yeah, I usually don't get picky about that kind of stuff because everybody has a different way of doing their chapters and everyone has a different okay. preference with fonts. I have read that people – I've read that Times New Roman is looked down upon. I have no idea why that is because I've used it huh. before. Uh, I usually use Garamond just because that's the one that people recommend, but I don't really think it makes that much difference. So if right. there's a font that a particular author really likes, I don't have a problem with that. So I don't I don't really micromanage that part very much. Well, you know, with so many ebooks now, you can change the font in your book anyway. But that's really interesting that exactly. that you say the Times New Roman because you know when you turn in a book to an agent or a publisher, they say, "Oh, they want Times New Roman and they want it this size and everything." So that's that is very very interesting. Okay, your books. Tell listeners a little bit about the books you write. Sure. And actually, I haven't written seven yet, although I do have seven planned. Uh, I've written two that are currently available. Um, and the, the first two, the first one I've written is uh, The Beast of Tales End. And that right. is, uh, it's, set in, it's set in a world where fairy tales are actual real history. And it's set uh -huh. in an alternate 1920s, kind of based on that premise. And it revolves around a, skeptical, a detective who's skeptical of magic who ends up having a brush with magic and as a result is turned into a beast, as in Beauty and the Beast. And then he has to team right. up with an enchantress to find a way to cure himself. And the whole story kind of unfolds from there. So it's got a noir detective vibe set in the 1920s world. And uh, it, has, it, it has really been fun to write and people really seem to be enjoying it. So I've written the first one and the second one is called The Tomb of the Sea Witch. And that right. is also currently available, and that revolves around the Little Mermaid story, a retelling of that. Oh, I love so that. So it's kind of it's kind of once upon a time meets Doctor Who, I would say, or vice versa. Okay. Okay. Well, I was looking and, at the books uh, and I was counting them, and I usually try to count people's books three times because, so help me, I'll get a different count e each time. And I could have I could have sworn that with the one that's coming out this month, it was seven. But you know what? If it's not, that's what I said, and so everybody can believe it if that's what they want to believe. That's fine with me. Okay. The which what oh, is that's, what that's is fine. The book? Yeah. <laughs> What's the book that you have <laughs> coming out not too not too far from now? The book I have coming out, which this is not currently reflected on my, on my website, but it will be by the time this podcast airs, is called The Stroke of Eleven, which is okay. the third book in the series. Initially, I had planned for the third book to be The Mirror of Rorim, which is a Snow White-themed book, but right. I've changed that because that book kind of got really big, and I split it into two other books, and I also put another book ahead of it. So this one is going to be The Stroke okay. of Eleven. It's a Cinderella-based story, and it kind of – it's a retelling of Cinderella with lots of time travel. And it okay. also uh, involves some major developments in the ongoing story arc of the Beaumont and Beasley series, which I forgot to mention is what this is called. So that right. is what's coming out on the 17th of this month. And then I have uh, 
three more planned to wrap up this first kind of season of the series. I kind of plan it like TV seasons, and right. I'd like to keep going with that for quite a while into the future because I have a lot more ideas for continuing it. So I'm excited about that. Okay, so the Beaumont and Beasley series, they're retelling of fairy tales, which I love that. I all I am a sucker for retelling of fairy tales. I love the way people put their own spin on them because they are there's a reason why they're classic tales, people. They they endure, yeah. they stand the test of time. Tell us about the Crockett and Crane, uh the Horseman book. Yes, that is a spin-off of Beaumont and Beasley that currently I am okay. publishing that on Wattpad. And once that okay. once the first book Horseman is finished, I will be publishing that on Kindle and paperback, but I, that's a web serial okay. at the moment, and that is that's oh, a spinoff okay. it's set in the yeah it's it's a spinoff it's set in the uh, the version of America that exists in the same universe as the Beaumont and Beasley books, and okay. while the Beaumont and Beasley stories revolve around European folklore mostly, these uh, the Crockett and Crane stories deal more with American stuff, American folklore. Okay. So this first one is heavily connected to the story of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Now explain to listeners what a web series is. That's uh, usually people do these on, on Wattpad, although I've seen other people do them on their blogs as well. That's where you're, you publish your story chapter by chapter on a regular basis. It can be once a month, once every two weeks. I'm doing it once a week. Uh, and that that's just a way to kind of share your stories in a different way with people because they expect each new chapter every every so often and they kind of get invested in the story. And the wonderful thing the wonderful thing about Wattpad is it allows you to comment on stories in line while you're reading, kind of like you would do on a YouTube video. And wow. people can share their thoughts as they're going along, which is really fun and it's a great way to engage with readers. And I uh my friend uh Nate Silbrick, who also has written some fantastic books and he has a great story on there right now called The Broken City of Crows. I highly recommend that. But he uh he kinda got me into it. I had used it before when I was first writing book one of Beaumont and Beasley, but I fell out of using it for a while and now I'm doing it again. And it's really wonderful because it lets me engage with my with my reader base in a new way and uh and it gets people really excited over time as they see the story unfolding that way and and folks if you are listening to this and and you think this is a great idea this is something you want to do i love this idea it reminds me of radio shows you know that you used to get to sit mm -hmm. down to I'm not that old for the record. My kids call when I grew up olden times, but it's not that olden times. But I do, you and I, uh, before the show began, we talked about how we both love podcasts. And I love podcasts. It has that radio show feel. And I think Wattpad does too. Um, folks, you need to know this is a form of publishing. So if you're working on this book that you're hoping to turn into a traditional publisher, that may not happen after Wattpad. So you need, if you're going to go uh, take your book to a traditional publisher, Maybe Wattpad isn't the thing for you to do, but if you do want to independently publish, I love Wattpad because it allows you to build an audience little by little by little. I absolutely love that. And the comments are fantastic. That's a, 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 a perfect mm -hmm. addition. What, how, how did you yeah. find out? Okay, you had a friend tell you about Wattpad. And so do you, how far in advance do you have these chapters written? Don't, please don't say you can do this a week at a time because I will feel so inferior to you in every single way. 
Well, to, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, yes, I am doing it a week at a time. Oh my uh, I God. Have <laughs> oh, I have awesome. the stories all, the, the, I have the ending all planned out. But, you know, right. I mean, I'll admit, I, I kind of intended to have a strict guideline for how it was going to go. But as I was getting these, these chapters ready, uh, these right. characters that I hadn't really come up, come up with before kind of found their way into the story and then became popular. So the story evolved a little bit as I continued to uh, work them in in different ways and give them backstories. And so now it's developed into something a lot bigger than what I had in mind initially. Right. So, yeah, I am actually doing it one chapter per week. It wasn't really the oh, plan, wow. but that's kind of how it has turned out. <laughs> well, you know, you, you said that you did have the end in mind. So how how do you go about writing? Do you Are you the type of person that outlines? Are you a seat of the pantser? And if you're listening, a seat of the pantser, they just write and the story takes them where they where it takes them. Yeah, I when I first started writing, especially when I was writing uh, The Beast of Tales End, I had a very detailed outline. And it changed because really how that developed was I wrote it on a writing critique website called Scribophile, which is mm -hmm. a great way for authors starting out to get feedback and encouragement on their on their work. I highly recommend it for people who kind of just want to see, is this writing thing going to even work out for me? But um, right. that... So I started posting on there sort of according to this strict outline I'd written. And people were, you know, not that interested in it, kind of, but not really. And then I started adapting it based on feedback, which diverged from the, from the outline quite a bit, but also made the story better. So I did use it, but I, I sort of found my love for Seat of the Pan thing, discovery writing, whatever you want to call it that way. Right. And that has become a bigger part of my workflow moving forward. Basically, what I, the, what I do is I try to make sure I have an ending or perhaps more than one ending that I feel is strong. And then I let the, the interactions between the characters for the natural flow of the story determine which plot points in my quote-unquote outline I will stick to. And mm -hmm. I just try to have a balance between a plan and also that natural feel as you're reading the story that makes you feel like, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I don't, this isn't predictable, which I think that comes very well through Seat of the Pants writing. Not to say that outlining is bad, because I've read other people who outline who their books are fantastic. It's just for me, right. every time I do come up with an outline, I end up diverging from it. So I don't do it as much as I used to. Me too. Actually. Me too. I, I am. A, I le do lean a little bit more to the seat of the pants side. I'm so jealous of outliner people. You know, they can outline, they can tell you how many periods and commas are going to be on a page before they even start writing. I, that's just not how I work. When you do write <laughs> a little bit every week and you do a chapter installation every week, do they tend to have the same word count? Do you pay attention to that or do you just let the chapter be whatever it ends up being? I do try to keep it in the neighborhood of 3,000 words. I try to put it over 3,000, usually not by more than one or 200, because when I do it super long, my audiobook narrator tells me <laughs> this chapter is way too long because he sends it to me chapter by chapter. So lately, I've really tried to stick to not going very far over 3,000 words. Uh, and But different people do different chapter lengths, so I'm not saying that's the length. But really, when I do that, I feel like each chapter stands well, almost like a mini short story. That's kind of how I try to right. think of chapters. So right. that's, that, I think, is a good sort of average length, for, for me at least. 
what time of the day, when do you write? Because I, you have a blog that you keep, and then you have the web mm-hmm. series, and then you're word, write, working on writing books. I mean, my goodness, what is your writing schedule like? How do you keep that all in order? It's very all over the place. Uh, usually I write whenever I have free time, which can be pretty much any time of, of the day, depending, because my my sort of day job work schedule is I work as a full-time caregiver for my special needs brother. And uh-huh. uh, so that's, his schedule is kind of unpredictable depending on what activities I'm doing with him on a given day. So I uh, uh-huh. I work based on that. Usually my free time is in the evening and that's when I do most of my writing. But I also try to work some in in the morning or the afternoon when I'm fresh. So because often uh-huh. I'm just too tired and I have actually written some things in my sleep and then woken up and said, okay, I know. So <laughs> I got it. When do you write best? When is your most pro- ideally for you as a person, what's your most productive time for writing? Morning, regardless of what your schedule is. Ideally, like, I would say you morning. The I'm, I'm definitely, Me too. I'm definitely freshest in the morning. So if I've written something late because I had no other choice, I at least try to edit it in the morning because that's when I'm going to spot things that need to be fixed and, and think of good ways to fix them. So yeah, that's always the when, best time for me. When you do write, do you have your internet on or off? You know, lately I have been turning it off because what I've done recently, I've realized that if you have your notifications on with social media or whatever, that is really punishing to your it creative is. It's flow. Non-stop. It just it, it takes is. you takes you right out of it. And one thing that I've done recently is I've invested in an Astro House free write, which is it's called a smart typewriter. And it's just a device that has an e-ink screen like a Kindle. And you it's okay. just for writing. It's purely for fiction writing. And it connects to the internet only to save your draft to the cloud. And you can also press a button and email it to yourself whenever the time is whenever you want to just have an extra backup. But it wasn't it won't do anything else. No social media, no anything. It's a dedicated writing device. So I've been doing that and so that essentially keeps me off the internet. And that has really done wonders for my word count levels every day because it just it forces you to take advantage of the time that you that you have for writing and not let anything else horn in on what you're trying to do. You know, it's so ironic that we want to be so technologically advanced, we get so advanced, and then we start being so advanced, we realize, wait a minute, we need to be less advanced, <laughs> because all this technological yeah, advancement yeah. is taking. Okay, so what, <laughs> tell me about what this is again. Tell me the name of it again. It's called a, it's called a free write, and it's from a company called Astro House, and it's, they, they refer to it as a smart typewriter, so it looks kind of like a typewriter, but it has a, it has okay, a, I was about a to screen, ask. Yeah, it has an e-ink screen that's very similar to what you find on, on a Kindle e-reader, so very easy on your eyes. There is a backlight, but it's not like a constant screen glare. And it huh. just has a keyboard and a couple of switches that you can use to switch between folders and stuff. And it just all it really does is just churn out words and save them to the cloud so they're safe. And like I said, there's just that one extra button you can use to email things to yourself, and that's it. It's completely d- designed with the intention – designed with – fiction writers in mind. So that I have found brilliant. it very and helpful. It's easy on your eyes. It is. I, I wasn't sure about it at first. I, I sort of, I mean, it's it kind of expensive and I invested in it after much research and pondering. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. And I was ready to sell it to somebody else if I didn't, but it has become really a wonderful part of my writing workflow. So I'm very impressed with it. 
Wow. Well, you learn something new every day. Okay. Um, what? So what would you say your biggest writing distraction is? Would it be the internet? That's mine, hands down. Anything to do with the internet is my distraction. Absolutely. I'd say it's definitely the internet. And usually what happens is, I, one of the reasons I love Twitter is because I like to, as I'm writing, sometimes share quotes on like with the M, with the M writing hashtag on Twitter, which is which is fun, and I like doing that, and that's a great way to engage with my readers. But then I get distracted reading what other people have written, and it all kind of yes. snowballs, and then before I know it, at least half an hour is gone. So <laughs> right. that, I would I would blame Twitter for the majority of my writing distractions. How do you keep keep yourself from doing way too much research on stuff because some of the work you do it's it's period pieces and you need to be able to look and see what a thing looks like and what a, an area you know feels like and a culture how do you keep yourself from being on there researching for hours at the time well yeah that that is very hard usually what i do is i try to force myself not to stop in the middle of when i'm in the flow writing and do hours of research on something so I'll partition my research off for a time when I know that I can devote that time to it, and I just try to write. And if there's something that I need to do more research on or a name that I haven't thought up, thought up yet or whatever, I will write a little note to myself in my draft and then just go back to it later so that I'm not breaking from one activity to do another because that's usually what, what happens. I, I get out of the flow to research, and then I'm, it's very hard for me to get back right, into it. Right, it is hard. Again. That's something I, yeah, I, I definitely struggle with very much when I write, you know, different things about fighting and, and, and I'm writing about a different, um, a weapon or something, something will click in my hand and say, oh, well, let me check that. I research it and the next thing I know it's the next day and I've not changed my clothes mm. and I've been researching for 24 hours and I don't even realize it. <laughs> okay. Let's say that you weren't writing. You weren't writing. What is your dream job outside of writing? It does. You can have any type of education you want. It can be anything. Sky's the limit. What would your well, dream I, job be? This, this might be cheating because it's still kind of writing related, but I am very interested in filmmaking. Oh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so, I, what, I, what uh, started, I've been... Like literally behind no, the camera filmmaking? Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that I don't know a ton about yet, but I, I find the whole process of filmmaking and directing very interesting. I've uh, recently been taking... Molly Reader's excellent uh, Hollywood Academy course, which she's taught me a lot about the finer points of screenplay writing and stuff. That interests me, but also just the the concepts of you know how you how you direct a good scene, a good shot. Because I feel like I think about those a lot while I'm writing in terms of what is my reader seeing as he or she reads. And that so that translates very well into when you're watching a movie and you think about, oh, it's interesting how they use this this method for this shot. I think that's very fascinating. Me too. Me too. I absolutely think that. And I find myself driven toward a certain type of, of look on things. There's been shows or, or movies I've watched and it's been a great story, but I just hated the way the movie looked and the way the director sh- – you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I'm exactly the same way. Absolutely. What is the w- worst job you have ever ever had just hands down you look back and think oh my gosh that was terrible oh i'm trying to think yeah i don't i honestly would have to say i haven't had any jobs that i hated honestly because that's good i uh i chose i chose not to get a job just for the sake of getting a job because i wanted partly because i wanted to do 
this writing thing and partly because I have had this opportunity to work at home taking care of my brother. Right. So I didn't go out and get a job at McDonald's or whatever. I probably would have hated it if I had, but <laughs> no offense to people right. who do work at McDonald's. But I didn't I didn't do that because I didn't have to, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I, that that didn't become necessary. <laughs> well, what is it about writing that keeps you coming back? I think sometimes people look as if they're not writers, they look at it as very, you know, idyllic, a very easy job that you just sit down at a typewriter with a pipe in your mouth and you, you know, vomit out 5,000 words in a in a sitting. <laughs> it is hard. Writing is very mm-hmm. hard. What about mm-hmm. it, what about it keeps you coming back? Well, you know, what what happened with me is, you know, initially, like a year, literally a year ago, I was in a very bad place when it came to my writing because I was relentlessly self-critical. I had shared some of the things I'd written. They were really just early versions of book one of the Beaumont and Beasley series. And people liked them, actually, but I was very self-critical. So I was really not doing well. I was thinking of abandoning the whole thing. And it was mainly because I was afraid of what would happen. And I think every author experiences is the fear of what if people hate it. So oh, yeah, I absolutely. went ahead. I, I, so I went ahead and I published it. I give credit to my mom because she told me, stop complaining over and over again about how people are going to hate this. Just go ahead and put it out there and see. So I did it sort of out right. of sheer desperation. And to my great surprise, a lot of people did like it. So but my point then is I had to come to a place where I had my own confidence in what I was writing and and my own yes. love for my characters and for my story world. And that is what keeps me coming back. I feel like in a way I'm invested alongside the people who are reading my books because I do enjoy writing them and I do have a personal fondness for these characters. And I'm just as interested as anybody else who reads them in what's going to happen to them next. Of course, usually I do know what that is, but even though right. I do, do Peter the Pants quite a bit, but I, it, it's, it's something, I, I have this personal love for the worlds and the characters I've created. And that keeps me coming back, regardless of what people may say about them, or if right. I see it, somebody's giving me a two-star Goodreads rating or something that. I've I've learned to not let that be the defining factor. If it was just about if people like this, that's what keeps me coming back. If it was only about that, then I wouldn't even bother anymore because that's just too exhausting trying to live for yes. whether people like your story, whether other people like your stories or not. If you don't like them yourself, then it doesn't even matter if other people like them. So that yes. that is really what has kept me coming back. I enjoy writing. I enjoy writing these particular stories. And I'm excited about it. Every day when I sit down to do that, I that is something I look forward to and that I enjoy very, very much. Right. And and you know, something about writing, if you're a writer, you you can't not write. It's how you think. You think in storylines constantly. It's like asking a dog not to not to play with a bone. I mean, it's just one of those things mm-hmm. that dogs just do and writers just write. But uh, you know, you mentioned the two star rating. I personally, if I see a book that has nothing but four or five stars, I I just don't Mm -hmm. believe it. I am more likely Mm -hmm. to buy a book that's got an equal number of so-so reviews as positive reviews because I don't want to read a book that, oh, everybody likes this book. No, I want to read a book that, you know, some people aren't crazy about and some people, I think it's more realistic. Otherwise, I just feel like they got all their family to to write in. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think people realize, you know, you can buy reviews. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. We are running out of time. Okay. 
tell listeners again <laughs> where they can find you on social media. Tell them how to get in touch with you. Okay, so I'm most active on my – well, my, first of all, my website is kylerobertschultz.com, and that's S-H-U-L-T-Z with no C. And I'm right. most active on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is Kyle, R-B-R-T, Schultz, again with no C. Now, everything else, if you want to look me up on Facebook or on Instagram, those are the two ones, or also on Goodreads, you can put in the website name and just put flash Kyle Robert Schultz after it, spell the whole thing out, and that will take you to my page on that website. And tell us again about the book that's coming out this month. The book that's on coming the 17th, out this month is The Stroke of a- Yes, on the 17th, it's The Stroke of Eleven, and it's the time travel themed Cinderella retelling that also gets into some pretty climactic some pretty climactic events for my uh for my main character that I think my longtime readers will be excited about. And it also offers up a good story for people who are just coming to it wanting something that stands alone, although I do think it's best if you're familiar with my first two books before you read it. Uh, and those are available on Amazon now. Okay, and the book that's coming out on the 17th, how can folks, how could fi- they find Stroke of Eleven? Well, that is, there should be an, a, a link on my website right now to read about it. I don't know if I'm going to be going the Amazon pre-order route because that doesn't always work out well for me, but uh, if that is the case, I will post about that on my website if I do decide to do that. But most likely it's just going to come out on the 17th as is, and then it will right. be available there. I'll also make it available on other ebook markets like Barnes & Noble, and there will be a link on my, right. on my website to find it on those sites as well. So perfect. Best thing for folks to do is on the 17th, check your website to see where they can buy this book. Mm-hmm. All right, great. All right. It is a tradition on the Geek Block to end with some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Okay, that sounds great. Okay, better fairy tale movie. Okay, I have to say that I actually feel I wrote this question and then I immediately felt guilt and remorse for it, but I'm going to ask anyway. Better fairy tale movie, Princess Bride, Willow, or The NeverEnding Story? I have so much guilt about making anybody choose. You know what? I have not seen Willow or The NeverEnding Story. I oh, feel no! embarrassed about that. But I, well, I have seen The ahead. Princess Bride and thought it was excellent. So uh, I'll go with The Princess Bride because that's the only one that I can offer an opinion on. But okay. I need to watch well, the other two. <laughs> oh, you do. Any answer would have been acceptable. Okay. Well, you may not know these. Clearly, I'm a lot older than you. Better fairy tale villain. The Devil from Legend. The Fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. Or David Bowie from Labyrinth. Well, there again, I have not seen those, but from what I know of them, I pr- will probably pick David Bowie. <laughs> of course, you can always, yes. You know, they always say, be yourself unless you can be a unicorn, then be a unicorn. I- I'm I'm right up there with David Bowie. Be yourself unless you can be David Bowie for the day. All right, who would win in the Thunderdome? Who would win in the Thunderdome? Cinderella, Snow White, or Sleeping Beauty? Well, let me Fight think about Fight to the that. death. Probably. Who wins it? Fight to the death. <laughs> Well, I'm, I would go with Sleeping Beauty only because Sleeping Beauty in the versions that I've written had some rather unique powers outside of just lying there being asleep. So I'm going to pick Sleeping Beauty. Hey, she's going to be well uh, rested I'm ri- Exactly. I'm writing a version of that right now as well. So that will be interesting to find out about what she can actually do. <laughs> okay. Worst to sit next to on a transcontinental flight. 
Vampire, Werewolf, or Jar Jar Binks? I'm sorry. I have a thing about Jar Jar Binks. I have to include him in here. So which is the worst, Vampire, Werewolf, or Jar Jar Binks? Well, I would say Jar Jar Binks because with a vampire or a werewolf, there's enough lore out there that you know how to deal with them. With Jar Jar Binks, I don't think there's really a good strategy. Me neither. (laughs) I hate that. I have such bitter feelings for Lucas about that character. Last but not least, this is is the question I always end the show with. Worst superpower, superhuman strength, only while dressed as a woman, or the ability to stop criminals only by spraying them like a skunk? (laughs) worse superpower I am not sure I could pick between those two I think that they would both be equally (laughs) under that if I had either one of them I wouldn't if I had either one of them I wouldn't use them even if it meant saving the world (laughs) okay that would be that would be my that would be my super that would be my superhero movie it wouldn't end well (laughs) there you go all right well that's it Kyle you did it you finished the entire interview thank you so much for being on the show with us today Thank you. I had a wonderful time. All right. And listeners, be sure to check his web, uh, Kyle's website on the 17th for Stroke of Eleven. And that's it for us on the Geek Block. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, I have to say how thankful I am for the Along Came a Writer Network, Linda Kozar for making me a part of all this craziness six years ago, and, of course, my listeners. So that is it, folks. Have a very blessed holiday. May God bless you and stay weird. Thank <laughs> you.